you know, one of the things that separates great CEOs from mediocre CEOs is their confidence, is their ability to make strategic decisions quickly. And it's to do with their confidence. They really believe they have the right strategy. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. All right. We are here back for another episode. And we have an amazing guest today, a gentleman who helps eight-figure CEOs who give and grow rich. He is a number one international best-selling author, a top two international keynote speaker, and the CEO at The Boardroom. It's really good to meet you, Oscar. How are you, man? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Jason. How are you? I'm doing very good. How is uh, Australia for you? You know, it, it, we're, we're very lucky over here on this side of the world. I was just talking to one of my uh, mentors yesterday, and we, we were reflecting on the fact that there's really not that many uh, new COVID cases here. We're very lucky, whereas when you look globally, sometimes there's thousands of cases. So here we actually, we're feeling good. People are out and about. It's lively. Uh, I went out the other day and there was, a, there was a, a market where there was live music playing and it was buzzing. So I'm really pleased to see life going back to the way it used to be. You know, I just went through that as well. And it was like, it was almost like a new feeling again. You know, I was like, oh, that's what that is. This is familiar. So I thought, I thought I'd dive in a little bit. Um, first off, you had a birthday about in February. I think I got that right. So happy birthday. But I'm going to double that up with you got engaged this month. Uh, congratulations. And that's a, a movement you. in your life. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So my question would be, uh, someone makes a big move and with somebody that's moving quickly like yourself, you just made a big decision in your life. What do you see has getting engaged have to do with the boardroom, the people around you? What, what do you see or the change? Maybe just internally, you have some triggers that happened. What, what did you find? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I feel that sometimes in life, you know, I always say that uh, starting, running, operating a business is one of the most difficult things you could do. And on top of that, being an entrepreneur is, is even more difficult because you usually have uh, multiple businesses going at multiple times. You have multiple different teams that uh, sometimes don't have a dependency on each other. So th there's a lot going on at any given time. And so the ability to, uh, to grow businesses is really the ability to handle more stress on your plate. And, and as a result of that, sometimes entrepreneurs and business owners put things off in their life to really feed their, their, their business, their baby. And so I've been doing this for, for years and putting key milestones of my life off just because, you know, business is busy. I've got this amount of time and this, you know, this, this stuff's always busy. And one of the things that I learned is that work will occupy the space that you allow it to occupy. And so no matter how much you've got going on on your plate, even if it's one full-time job, your work can consume all of your time if you don't set mm. strong disciplines and parameters around when you're going to be on and when you're going to be off. So those things are really important. So I just got to the point in my life where I was like, you know what, things are going well. Uh, we've been grinding, we've been hustling as they say uh, for so long. And so now it's time to start prioritizing our relationship a little bit more. And so that's the reason we decided to, you know, take the, take the plunge, get engaged and, and subsequently, you know, planning a marriage and all that type of stuff that you do. So it's just, a, it's just one of those things where you, 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 you kind of got to think to yourself, Jason, that life uh, doesn't go on forever. I recently had a, a very dear client of mine pass away. Mm. So he was a, a, an eight figure uh, CEO 
and uh, you know, doing incredible business all around the world with, with companies like Metallica, Johnson & Johnson, Heinz, Kraft, Crayola. Um, all these, he built an incredible business, 50 years old, and, and he passed away uh, about, a, about a month and a half ago. And uh, that hit me quite hard because you never know. He was a healthy man. He was, you know, I, I was coaching him every week. We were dealing with uh, strategies to make him more productive, strategies to take him out of the operation so that he had a bit more free time with his family. Uh, but at the end of the day, sometimes you never know what's going to happen. And so you've really got to live in the moment. If we set our goals too far in the future and we wait for the future to feel satisfied, to feel joy, then that joy and fulfillment will never occur. But if we create the space in the moment to actually feel the joy, feel the gratitude, feel the, the full depth that life has to offer in the moment, then that's the best way to live. And so that's part of the reason why I you know, decided, you know what, I've put everything on hold enough. Uh, lots of stuff's going on and life doesn't go forever. So got to make the most of it while it's here. That's, that's a really good answer. And also just the foundation of yourself, right? It's like a little more foundation that's involved in what you're doing. You know, you got the person's got your back. So I want to uh, take you back. Um, you know, I've done some extensive research. I just get to know you a little bit. So um, I want to go back to something I think that a lot of entrepreneurs and on this show, it's really about the evolution. And you are on the voice of Australia. Am I correct? So make sure that I'm on the right yep. person. And there was a moment that I watched. I went back and I watched a few times. And it was a moment as you were singing. And there was the moment of you had uh, a support system with you. And you had everybody there and, and you kept singing and you kept going. And I think I, watching you a few times, I as because I've been in situations where you just, you know, the music must go on. And I felt the anticipation from you, but you didn't quit in who you were. You stayed stead in who I, you were and you had a belief. But what my question was, is what were you thinking in that moment? Because I think this has to do with a lot of entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, I remember that day like it was yesterday and what, what is, what is apparent of that? I was singing and, you know, I'd, I'd sung to quite large crowds in the past. So crowds of a thousand uh, and in the studio audience, there was maybe, I don't know, 500 people or so. Um, and, and so it wasn't a very big crowd. So that wasn't, that wasn't part of the reason for the anxiousness that I was experiencing. But I remember my strategy going into this was, don't look at the back of the chairs because you have Steel, you have Delta Goodrum, uh, you have Joel Madden, and you have uh, the other the other coach. The name slips me just now. So my strategy was don't don't look at the back of the chairs. Just engage with the audience because this is your sweet spot. This is where you're comfortable. So I'm there. I'm singing. I'm feeling good. You know, I'm singing. I'm feeling good. Everything's going fine. I turn to look at the other side of the stage. And as I do, my eyes brush past the back of the chairs. <laughs> and that's where reality set in. And I was like, my gosh, what, what is going on? What am I doing? <laughs> you know, why am I even here? What if, what if they don't turn around? Um, what if, and, and all this doubt started to, to, to creep up on me. And I remember there was a moment where I thought in the song, if I do this properly, then this is where they're going to turn around. So I went for it. I hit the note. I did it as, as to the best of my ability and none of the chairs turned around. Yeah. So for the rest of the song, I was thinking, this is, this is it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a failure. This is, you know, humiliating. I can't believe this is going on. And, and so I really battled internally with, with getting, you know, getting confident and getting, you know, to the point where I felt that I could really nail the song. And it, it kind of didn't happen for me. 
So we were towards the end of the song now and they, and the guitarist had strummed the last chord and the thing was ringing out. And I was like, wow, this is it. You know, this is, this is my last shot. So I'm just going to hold this note as long as I can uh, because it's over. And then, you know, and then the, the note kind of rang out and I was like, this, this is it. You know, I'm, I'm defeated. I'm like, you know, up to that point, it was like, yes, it's, you feel that you haven't made it. Um, but in that moment where it didn't happen, I thought that, yeah, this is it. It, it didn't happen at all. So I, I, I experienced the kind of the deflation that you feel. And the next minute Delta hits the button and it was like one of the most incredible <laughs> moments of my life because I, I had gone through the defeat, you know, it was like, uh, it was like I was now the underdog where I was like defeated, uh, you know, round nine of a boxing match and, and, you know, you're down and out and then some miraculous thing happens where you, you just win. And, and it was just, Honestly, it was a, it was an incredible moment because it was a, it was a moment where it showed me that no matter what I had been through, there's always the ability to develop more resilience and and more you know mental strength because I shouldn't have had those thoughts in my mind. I should have been you know on on path. And this is the thing I've learned in in, in the high performance world that mm-hmm. mindset is is one of the most important things. Visualizing your success, being one with uh, with the the ultimate version of yourself. And being very kind to yourself in the inner self-talk. Uh, I hadn't done so much personal development back in those days, but now I've done a lot more. So I think I'm a lot more resilient, but you never know. Unless you put me on a stage with those bright lights and in the, under those high-pressure situations, you really never know how I'd react. So, yeah. And, and I think that you showed, uh, uh, one thing that you did show, and that is that though you created the doubt, you stayed the path, even though the emotion changed because I was caught up in it. You know, that's the beauty of watching even online and they do a good job at least trying to predict what you're doing, right? And I, even after all these years, I watched it and I said, well, he has to stay the course, stay the course because on the other side, they were going, they were teasing the audience. They had already made a decision. They, they were teasing the audience. And so I thought it was just an amazing story for you. And I think that that ties in with entrepreneurs as well. And Mm -hmm. so one of the questions that I have is during that time that you were um, what we would consider a singer, were you also an entrepreneur at that time? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been an entrepreneur since, since about 17, I've never wanted to do things uh, the traditional way. I've always wanted to find alternate ways to to do things. So it started when I was, uh, when I was in college and I, uh, you know, when I was in school, before I went to college, when I was in school, um, I came across a magician and it was, it just blew my mind as he was doing his, his card tricks and magic tricks. And I said to him one day, can you, can you teach me what you know? And he said, look, I'm not going to teach you anything unless you can show me something that impresses me. And I went and did some research and practice and then came back and showed him something that impressed me. And he kind of took me under his wing and he turned me into a magician, which led to uh, doing a lot of corporate magic, doing a lot of, uh, doing a lot of shows. So I, I, I've always been doing that. And, and, you know, back when I was about 18, earning $500 an hour uh, as a magician and, and, you know, the people around me were kind of like, you know, box packing at a, at a local supermarket for, you know, $20 an hour, whatever it was. Uh, and here I am earning $500 an hour. It kind of started back then. The, the, the need to do things differently than the way they're traditionally done. And so that's really how my entrepreneurial dream or entrepreneurial uh, journey really started. And then and from I think, there, you know, when I was in the voice, I was, you know, doing, I, I launched a, a number of different businesses. I, I launched some applications. Uh, I launched an Uber competitor, which was specifically uh, just for getting executives from point A to point B to point C, mm. because 
Uber did not deal with point A to C. They only dealt with point A to B. So if you're jumping, uh, if you're going from your hotel to an airport to another country, then to an airport, Uber couldn't handle that level of complexity. So we built an application that handled that level of complexity where you could pre-schedule, pre-book, depending on your flights, et cetera. So I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always been in, uh, in business and experimenting with different things. I'm not saying that everything I did worked, <laughs> but it's definitely a learning experience. And watching your story, I think you're a great example of the evolution, right? And one thing that I noticed in your story was that um, most businesses and, and people in general need to get some form of momentum going before they can actually stand on a stage. What I recognized with you fairly quickly was that you had utilized the, the platform that you created with The Voice, and that allowed you a catapult to let's say um, go into business for you, um, what was that mental shift? Because I'm a singer, I'm a singer, I'm a singer. Now I'm a business coach. I'm a singer, I'm a singer, I'm a singer. I'm a business coach. Where was that time when you went? My life now has become someone different. When when was that? Because I know it doesn't happen like that. It's it's this evolution. When did that shift go? You know what? Now I'm a different person. When was that? There was, there was definitely a light bulb moment. Um, there was a number of smaller light bulbs along the way, and it's, it's, it's to do with recognizability. Uh, and, and I went for, um, I, I had a, 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 you know, a senior uh, executive role, sales executive, and, uh, and I started working with Cricket Australia, an Australian company. And I was meeting with the head of IT. So I flew down to Melbourne and we, we were going to lunch at a, at a nice restaurant called San Telmo, delicious Argentinian restaurant. And, uh, and I remember sitting down and meeting this client for the first time. And this for me, that there, there was really good opportunity uh, within Cricket Australia to, to, to do a pretty decent transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I remember just sitting down with the client. He sat down and he, he was staring at me uh, across the table. And he said, I recognize you. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, my wife and I, my whole family, we watch The Voice all the time. And from that moment, we just built this instant rapport. Now, relationships is, is all about business. Like the most important thing in, in business is the relationships that you build. Uh, if you don't have the right capital, you can go out and build the right relationships to get the right capital. If you don't understand legal structures, you can go out and build relationships to get the right legal structures. If you don't have the clients, you go out and build relationships to get the right clients. So relationships are the, are the most important thing in business. So when I sat down at that table at that lunch, and this guy instantly recognizes me, we had instant rapport. And so that enabled us to build a much better relationship. And as I went out into my career doing various different things, uh, I would just have this recognizability that people would, would know me, they would ask questions, they would be interested. And that provided a great foundation for us to, to, to really get to know each other and to do business more effectively. So you're right, there was a, there was a definite uh, catapult from the voice to even just the level of confidence because you know, one of the things that separates great CEOs from mediocre CEOs is their confidence, is their ability to make strategic decisions quickly. And it's to do with their confidence. They really believe they have the right strategy. And so uh, I see a lot of CEOs get tripped up where they're scared of making decisions. They want to wait a little bit longer before they make decisions. Mm-hmm. You've got to make quick decisions. And so when you're in that situation where you, you have, you're now carrying a greater level of confidence because people know you, uh, then life really just starts to open up doors, start to open up opportunities, start to open up, uh, which is why things like branding uh, as, as an organization is so important so that you can have that recognizability on the street and so that you can develop much more effective relationships. 
And I think that one thing that you show to a lot of people too, and this is people that are seven figure earners below as well, and then going eight figures, is that you utilized your own skill set on the outside to be recognized into something new that you did. So they basically saw the success in something different. And I think that there's something that people should do more often. And I think you would agree because you're a great example of it. Is it's okay, like if you exceed in something else, take that with you because those people will assume the success that you just did on the other one. I thought that was just a great example. One, yeah. of, the, one of the things that I saw as well is you use the word influence a lot um, throughout your um, stuff. And I think that the question, because you're, you're um, the people that you help and we'll go over the, the uh, help give more, but the people that you really help um, already have some form of momentum going. Um, what is the trigger that you find is the most important momentum mechanism to get that next level? Which piece has to be running an energy level that's the highest so that they can stand on that? Which one do you find? Yeah, it's the, I feel that no matter what stage the entrepreneur is at, whether it's eight figures, nine figures, 10 figures, um, the, the fundamentals do not change. And it starts with who they are as an individual, because what, what we can find in life is that when things work for a season, it does not mean that they'll work for another season. If we're, uh, if we're, planting, uh, if we're planting basil, for instance, that grows well in, in, in summer and, and spring, when winter comes, you're going to have a really uh, hard time harvesting. And it's the same in business. We need to build uh, resiliency within our business. We need to build a strategy that will underpin the fact that in life, the winter will come. Uh, in life, the weeds will grow in the garden. Uh, in life, uh, the, the, the droughts, the floods, the hurricanes, these types of things, these types of negative events uh, will always come up against us. So we need to be the right person firstly. We need to develop the right levels of resiliency. We need to develop the right habits. So all of this starts at a habit level. And I teach, I, I do a, a, a very big deep dive um, with, with my, let's call them students or, you know, mentees. Uh, it's, 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 it's a philosophy I call the Bajo uh, method. And so one of the things in life is that your, your results in life are, are, are determined by the philosophies that you hold dear to your heart and the philosophies that you live by. And so That's I teach the, the, the Bajo method. Mm. And so what that means is that if we ever want to see, if we ever want to deep dive and analyze and reverse engineer our success, we look at the outcomes. We look at the outcomes we have. We look at the, the money in the bank. We look at the, the amount of clients that we have. We look at whatever outcome it is that we want to start to reverse engineer and analyze. And so the way to reverse engineer our success is through what I call the Bajo method. And so it's B-A-H-O. So B stands for beliefs. A stands for actions, H stands for habits, and O stands for outcomes. So if we want to look at our outcomes or the bank balance, for instance, it, if you reverse engineer that, it's to do with our belief system. And our belief system will determine the actions that we take every day when we get up in the morning. It will determine the schedule of our day. It will determine what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And those actions will turn into habits, and those habits will then turn into outcomes. So first, first and foremost, for when people are looking to pivot or to, to looking at going to the next level, it has to start at a habit level. But to get the right habits, you've got to have, have the right belief system. Mm. So firstly, we mm, focus yeah. on belief systems. What do they believe? So I'll give you an example. Now, one of the executives that I worked with very recently had the belief system of um, people earn my trust. That was his belief system. 
And so instantly we mm. clashed and I said, no, you can't treat people like that. Because if you, if you have this belief system where people have to earn your trust, you're playing this invisible game of tic-tac-toe, this invisible game of invisible point systems mm. that exist between you and I before I can fully trust you. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to be naive and just believe everything that everybody tells you. What, what I am saying is that you have to give trust. If somebody is working for you, you have to give them full trust that they know what they're doing and there's, there's, there's ways to measure that and manage that. Uh, but, but that's one of, the, one of the ideas is that you have to give people trust freely. So once, once they have the right belief systems, and, and it probably takes me about an hour and 40 minutes to really deep dive into all those belief sure. systems and all those philosophies you have to have from a fundamental perspective, the next, the next fundamental is, 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 is really the operating model of the business. Because even if you have great lead generation and even if you have great clients, if the business model is off, then the whole business can crash very quickly. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. I was working with an event company uh, in the US who did a lot of very high profile uh, events and their business was doing 75 million. COVID hit, they went to zero because they didn't build monthly recurring revenue into mm -hmm. their business. So their business model was off and the winter came, which it always will. And all of a sudden the business was cut out from, from under its knees. That's, that's the second thing. The third thing then really from, from that fundamental perspective, the third thing is their positioning in the market or their unique selling proposition. You know, I, I work with a lot of CEOs and, and sometimes they'll send out an email to their company. It's like, here's our vision. It's like this 10 page long thing. Yeah that nobody cares about, nobody wants to read, nobody understands it except for them because they're in it day to day, they really understand it. So the, the next part after those two things that are correct is the, is, the way, is the way you use your language to convey a message of simplicity. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. Uh, one, one of my clients, uh, Tesla Software in, in the US, um, I, th I think back, back before we started working together, they talked about we enable commerce everywhere. And it was very, like, it took us months to really understand what this, what this, what, what, what they actually did. Uh, but at the end of it, we distilled their message down into uh, one simple concept, which is we, we make fulfillment simple. And it's to do with product fulfillment mm. in the supply chain, et cetera. So it's sure. very complex. But once they start leading with that message, it starts to win. Or another one of my clients, I was talking about all these very complex uh, ideas. And I, I, I came to them and said, no, 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 all you do now is you turn data into profit. That's all you've got to say. When you uh, meet with clients, you just yeah. tell them you turn data into profit. So instead of talking about uh, data lineage, data hierarchy, master data management, reference data management, uh, regulation, all these types of things, you just got to say that. And when we started taking that into the executive community within, within the banks, those executives would say to us, wow, it's finally nice to have someone that doesn't try to overcomplicate with jargon this whole environment they, that you're able to break down simply what it is that you do and your, 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 your modus operandi. And from that place, then you could start to build better connections with your clients. But if you go into your clients and you, you start to hit them with all your technical detail and your features and your benefits and all that type of stuff that traditional sales uh, will teach you, then you're going to lose your customers. At the end of the day, what people buy is outcomes. That's all they buy. They want outcomes. So when you're leading a proposition, you've got to lead with the outcomes rather mm -hmm. than the methods and the process and all this, you know, boring stuff that nobody actually cares about. You've got maybe four or five, five minutes to grab someone's attention when you're in a pitch setting. If you can't pitch to someone within five minutes and make them believe in what you're believing, then, then you, you can't close the deal. You, you're going you're gonna to go around in circles forever. Uh, but if you can get into a, a situation, like I said, the Baho method, 
and you can make them believe what you believe, then that's the foundation for a deal. Mm -hmm. Until you can make them believe what you believe, it will never happen. So there, there are a couple of, and there's a couple of steps after that, but sure, they're, they're, sure. they're the fundamentals. I think that those are really good details. Another thing too that I noticed uh, from your uh, expression, the way you put yourself is that, um, and maybe you can back this up, but at, when you get to eight figures, what I'm getting from you is that mindset is the, the thing that happens. There's a mindset and a message becomes one of the most powerful because I look even through your stuff and I notice that so much of it is getting in the mindset because would you say the functions could be taken care of, but mindset has to be done within? Yeah. So success, uh, one of my, one of my great friends, uh, Jacob Zalia, he, he says that uh, success is an inside job. Uh, and, <laughs> I, and, I, and I truly believe that because what I see happen uh, time and time again, is that when people attract a certain level of success, they also attract a certain level of comfort and they stop doing the things that made them successful in the first place, which eventually will lead to uh, what I call a tidal wave. The tidal wave is when you've got all these unconscious things happening in your life, maybe unconscious behaviors, uh, unconscious belief systems, uh, and, 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 and that will work for a certain amount of time. But the thing about life is that life deteriorates very slowly. It's not like you wake up one day and everything you know, suddenly mm -hmm. changed. Things take a very long time to really manifest in the, in the real world. And so if you have all these unconscious behaviors and all these unconscious beliefs, or you get very comfortable and, and, and you stop doing the things that made you great in the first place, then eventually one of those tidal waves will come and hit you. Size and severity differs based on what type of behavior you, or what type of belief you've been displaying. But the thing that's, that's really important for people is to, is to always have those great practices uh, that make them great. So things like mind feeding, I think it's so important to mm -hmm. listen to others uh, that have achieved a certain level of success and just listen to what they have to say. That's one of the most, uh, that's one of the most critical pillars of, of my success for sure it's just the, 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 that mind feeding, that constant daily mind feeding that I go through. I listen to podcasts like yours. Um, I listen to great speakers and I just take in what they've got to say so that my repository is, is much greater. Mm -hmm. And so when I go throughout my day-to-day -day life, maybe I might come through a hurdle. Maybe I go through a situation that I haven't been through before. Uh, maybe there's a new opportunity that I'd really love to tackle, but I don't quite know how. That repository of stuff that's within me can start to flourish and start to come out because I've laid the right seeds. So mindset is, 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 a, is, is an absolute fundamental. Um, and, and if we don't constantly build that mindset, then we will, we will go backwards. That's just one of the unfortunate things about life. If it's not managed, it starts to go backwards. Uh, but we live in a world where we, there's this law that the universe is expanding constantly. So the edge of space that we know now is will not be the edge of space in a few hours because it's constantly expanding. Yeah. And so what that means is that if we stand still, we're actually moving backwards because of the law of expansion. And so we need to be in a position where we're always moving forward because to stand still is to go backwards. So we've got to be very careful of that. And that ties back to the fundamentals of business, which is don't go through a month where you go backwards, keep going forward. I work with a lot of project-based companies that do very large projects. One project will be 5 million. They won't make anything for 12 months. You know, they, they have negative, negative, negative cash flow. It's like, don't do that. Implement a strategy so that you have good monthly recurring revenue so that your income always ex exceeds your outflow so that you have positive cash flow. Because people always ask me, hey, Oscar, what's the best type of business to have? 
And my answer to that is a, a cash flow positive business, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one that makes money, right? <laughs> uh, and constantly makes money. So that, that's the best of a business. And, and there's you know, a thousand businesses you could launch that, that, that could do that. Um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely some of the fundamentals when it comes down to mindset. So I think that this one, and I wanted to make sure I got this one in because I think it also has to do with a landscape that's changing. Um, many people grew up on the Wall Street uh, movie, the uh, greed, greed, greed is good. And um, the really what comes from that is an attitude of many times looking down on people that are involved with you. You're the one trying to become rich. And one thing that I've followed over the years is kind of the angry manager syndrome, the angry, you know, bit. and I think that we're exposing this guy. I think that this guy is, he, he's getting squeezed. He, he doesn't have the place to just yell at you. But to tie that in for you in the movement that you have here, and as I go through here, I'm sure it was in your ecosystem, but it looks like you're a little more outspoken about it. And that is give and grow rich. This is something that I'm seeing more often. This is something that I think is, um, can I say the word woke? I don't know. Maybe that's the right place for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think there's something here. And I think I want to give you the opportunity to share this because this, I think in smaller businesses, and, and I just am trying to serve those as well that are not at the eight figure mark, but this is awesome because I just think it's a better place to live. So give and grow rich. What was the shift and how do you see the old dogs handling this feeling, right? It's not a good feel. I can't yell anymore. <laughs> so how did yeah, you adapt yeah. that? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things I wanna, I wanna touch on there, Jason. Uh, and I, I totally agree with you about this, this angry manager syndrome, let's call it. Um, I also had a situation recently within one of my clients where um, they, they handed off uh, the contract to someone that was an Andrew, angry manager syndrome. And, you know, really started to, let's, let's, let's call it what it is, you know, bully my team and I. Uh, and I had to go back straight to the CEO and I said, hey, this is not on. We'll not stand for this. Something needs to change. Or at the end of the day, I don't need the cash. So, uh, but, but I also want to tolerate this behavior. And so they had to make some fundamental shifts. They got HR involved and, and, and you know, there was, there was a couple of remedy sessions before then. But I, I you know, and, and I went through this with my management team and also my partner. And she said, yeah, you've done the right thing because you have to stand for the injustice. You, you, you can't stand against injustice. Uh, you know, your life the way it is, you know, as a, as, a, you know as, a, as, a, as a somewhat public figure, I have to live my values. And at the point that I don't live my values, that's where, again, one of those tidal waves is going to come and take me out from, from the knees. So sure. it's very important to, you know, if, if you're in that, if you're watching and, and you're in that situation where you are experiencing a great deal of hostility or you've got an angry manager uh, the best thing to do would be to speak your truth, uh, you know, to, to either HR or to that person's boss uh, and to speak your truth. I've had situations where uh, I've spoken my truth to that person's manager and it's not gone well because, um, you know, they, they, they managed it a lot better. Typically what you'll find with those people is that they, they love to manage things and micromanage things very effectively. Mm -hmm. So if you're having one of those situations, you've really got to step up your management game if you want to get out of that situation. You've got to step up in terms of the way that you handle or the way you manage that situation. So that's the first thing. But yes, I, I totally agree that the world is changing and it is a, an evolution of consciousness, Jason. It is the, those angry manager syndrome type experiences come from unconscious hurt that happened in that individual's past. Maybe they experienced an abusive uh, childhood. 
Maybe they have a terrible relationship with their father. Maybe their father abandoned them and their father wasn't in the picture and their mother didn't quite know how to deal with it. So she took her anger out on the child. Mm -hmm. So what, 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 what is happening is that people are waking up in terms of, in terms of what does it mean to be a good human? What, what is it? Well, actually first, what does it mean to be human? What, what is the condition of humanity? And if Mm -hmm. you, if you take a couple of flips through the pages of history, we will see the very quickly the capacity for what human beings are capable of, not just from, from a glory perspective in terms of, you know, the Olympic games and winning gold medals and performing at our peak and new innovation, new technology and, and great breakthrough in medical sciences. But it's to do with the, the flip side of that, which is what horrific things have human, have human beings done. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's true about life, Jason, is that in the, in the absence of good people speaking their truth, evil prevails. And so the things that happened all around the world in, 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 in war times, in genocides, in you know, people just executing each other and killing each other off, it came down to people not speaking their truth. Mm. So you might have people on the streets that are executing others, but if the ones that are, that are seeing these things happen around them and don't speak up, that's where evil prevails. That's where evil starts to take over. And so what this is, is, is an evolution of consciousness it's people uh, waking up to the fact that, hey, I have a decision to make. And that decision is, what type of human being do I want to be? Do I want to be a good human being or do I want to be a bad human being? And unfortunately, in the absence of being a, a, a good human being, then evil takes over. So there's no room to stand in the middle. There's no room to be a fence sitter. You've either got to choose a side uh, or a side will be chosen for you. Chosen for you. So this whole give and grow rich notion comes from the fact that One of the laws of the universe is that if you give, uh, it will be given unto you. It's called Mm -hmm. the law of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. So when you do something to someone, they they oftentimes will feel that they need to do something of equivalent value or higher value back for you. And so it's in understanding this law of reciprocity that people uh, should be in a position to do more for the world, to do more for charity to give more. And if you can give more, then you can be more because giving more isn't easy. People often think, oh, you know, when I have a few million dollars in the bank account, I'll start donating, you know, a portion of my, of my income. But the true definition uh, of someone that is great will be the one that does the fundamentals when the fundamentals aren't even a necessity. You know, mm-hmm. they'll start giving part of their income. Although if they can't do income, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll donate some of their time to charity. And it's, it's hard, Jason, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time with charity and every time I do, I get given these stories that just tear my heart out of these grievous things that ISIS soldiers did to this pregnant lady, or I get, you know, given these stories of what these uh, human traffickers are doing to these young girls on the streets of Cambodia. Like every single time I meet with these guys, I'm just getting these gut-wrenching stories and it's, it's a way for me to keep human and it's a way for me to remember that, hey, no matter how, wh- whatever happens in my day-to-day life, uh, there is someone on the other end of that that needs me that 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 I can dig a little bit deeper, just that maybe that one two percent deeper in order to actually make a positive impact on the world. And if we all focus on changing ourselves, then the world will change. Back in a in a previous, you know, going back maybe three, four years ago, mm-hmm. I had this blind obsession with changing the world, Jason. All I wanted to do was make a billion dollars and change the world. And I was just like, ah. was like, I was like a deer in the headlights. Like that's all I wanted to do. It's all I cared about. Uh, and, and I would neglect all other things. It was like, it was like an addiction, Jason. It was, it was literally 
you know, people that are addicted to substances will sure. like neglect their family. They'll, they'll abandon all stuff uh, in order to get their fix. And I was very much like that. I was addicted to wanting to make a change in the world. And I remember one night laying in bed. This is before I went to speak in South Africa in front of a few thousand entrepreneurs. Sure. I was laying in bed and I was just contemplating. I was thinking to myself, why is it Oscar? And I asked myself that really important question that everybody should ask themselves, why? So I said to myself, why are you so driven to change the world? The answer that came back was, was so powerful. But the answer that came back uh, through a conversation with myself was, you love power. And, and, and I was kind of like, that's interesting. And then I asked myself again, why? And I said, like, why, Oscar? Why, why do you love power so much? And there was a bit of awkward silence there. But the answer that came back was, well, because when you, when you were young, you were obese, um, you, you felt powerless to situations around you, went through lots of bad relationships, you know, I went through relationships where, where, you know, who I was with, they'd call me ugly and they'd call, like, I was just, mm. my self-esteem was very low. And so that through my whole, like growing up, I felt completely powerless to situations. And I thought That's that in my powerful. adulthood, if I went and changed the world, that would give me a sense of power and a sense of belonging. And, and I remember I just broke down in tears. I started crying. I was like, wow, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a kind of stupid thing to, to hold on to these past hurts and these past experiences. So the only way to change uh, the external world is to change the internal world. And here I am trying to change the external world so that my internal world will feel better. Where really through that conversation with myself, I was able to flip that whole thing on its head and accept myself for who I was, accept that I display power by, uh, by uh, having self-discipline, having uh, you know, a good sentiment towards myself, accepting myself emotionally, and when I was in that position, then it put me in a position to, you know, I, I don't want to change the world so much anymore. Like if I can make the world better and I can help the world innovate yeah. and I can help some people on the way, amen to that. Uh, but I'm not so hell-bent on changing the world because I don't need that. To, I don't need to feel powerful anymore because I healed mm -hmm. that wound. And so that, that was kind of, you know, one of the most powerful moments of my life that I'll never forget. Well, you and Commodus, you, you show the story in yourself. Um, you're an evolution. I think that you know, you're a great example of truly an evolution in many different ways from the story you just told of feeling obese to changing the way you look. Everything about you when I looked and looked back seven years ago has changed your attitude, your presence. One last question for you. And today you didn't do it, but I guess I'll throw it out there that you uh, you often are showing yourself in a black suit and a red tie and you've done it now for years. Where did you decide that? And uh, it, it kind of became a staple for you. So w what was the reasoning behind that? Yeah, I almost did it today as well, Jason. I was thinking <laughs> to myself, do I do the tie or do I just do the black shirt? Let's um, do this. For me, it, it, for me, it came to, uh, you know, I, I'm always hanging, hanging out with, with, with senior executives and senior executives are always you know, in, a, in a suit and tie. And so for me, it came down to, I think it was, I think it was Mark Zuckerberg or one, one of the other entrepreneurs that, that talked about decision fatigue. And I used to do this you know, every morning. It was kind of like, okay, what suit and, and what shirt and what tie combo do I, do I wear? And, and it, you know, it takes me you know, three minutes or five minutes longer than it actually needs to. So I thought, well, if I can save those three minutes, five minutes, then life will become a lot easier. And I started to do that. So I, I, I threw out all of my, uh, you know, colored shirts and, 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 and I bought all just white shirts. Um, and it just made life so much easier because I knew what I was going to wear on a daily basis. And then, you know, I really fell in love with the, with, with, with the red color because of what it represents. My, my personality type is very red. If you look at the disc profile, 
um, it's, it's red and blue. So red is, is that color that I gravitate to because it's, it's kind of like, you know, get out there, get stuff done. It's mm-hmm. kind of that, that red color uh, is what it represents. So for me, it's about decision fatigue. Like I wear a black shirt every day. Um, I have several of them, I have maybe seven or eight of, of these black shirts. And every day I just open the same drawer and just take a black shirt from the top mm-hmm. and I throw it on. Uh, and it just, it just helps me avoid the whole, like, you know, the, the shopping thing and the, you know, comparing myself to others and all that type yeah. of stuff. I think it's important to, to look nice um, because people at the end of the day, they're, they're always judging us. And if we want to do business with people, we need to kind of look successful uh, in the COVID world, things are, uh, people are a little bit less judgmental, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good. So I typically just wear the, 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 the black shirt now. Um, but it, 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 for me, it's about decision fatigue and building, you know, not thinking about things that I don't have to think about. And that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. It's that discipline, Jason, to, you know, one, one of my uh, free workshops, I teach, teach people how to take a three-hour task and condense it down to 15 minutes. So I work with a lot of CEOs. They're like, yeah, I'll just do that. It'll take me five minutes. I'll do that. It'll take me seven minutes. I'll do that. It'll take me 11 minutes. It's like, well, if you fill your day with all these things that are taking you five minutes, 11 minutes, five minutes, 11 minutes, you've wasted an hour of your day that you could use to be very productive. You could use that hour in front of a client. You could use that hour to prepare a brief presentation for a, for a pitch that you're working on. So uh, we don't want to be a master in small things. We want to be a master in, in great things and be very strategic. And part of the fundamental, that's part of my fundamentals, which is just streamline what you wear, make it very simple so that I can save all of my mental energy for the, for the stuff that's going to move mountains. Well, our time together has been incredible, my friend. You brought in a lot of insight. You brought in a lot of energy. Uh, where can people find you? Um, if, if we're ready to find you, where, where, where can we find you? So uh, my website is oscar-chavez.com. Uh, on, uh, on Facebook, I think I'm Oscar Chavez entrepreneur, like facebook.com forward slash, uh, Oscar Chavez entrepreneur uh, on Instagram. I'm the Oscar Chavez, I believe. Um, so yeah, there, there are a couple of ways that people can message me. Well, thank you very much for your time. Um, it's been a blast and you've brought in the heat just in this amount of time and hopefully you have an incredible rest of your day. A lot of people are going to be inspired from you and thank you for letting me join the boardroom. Welcome to. Thank you so much for your time, Jason. I appreciated you. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.